Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. We're living in an unpredictable and unprecedented time. In the midst of a global pandemic, the sort of thing we've learned about in history classes, not the sort of thing we thought we'd lived through ourselves. So how do we manage this? I certainly don't have all the answers, but I do have hope. And hope is powerful. It's pretty much everything, even in the midst of a global pandemic. And of course we know that having hope helps us feel better emotionally. That's obvious, right? Hopeless people are pretty much the opposite of happy. But as it turns out, having hope impacts our physiology too. According to Jerome Groupman, author of The Anatomy of Hope, quote, researchers are learning that a change in mindset has the power to alter neurochemistry. And this is something I explain in episode 52. Neuroplasticity is your superpower. So if you're interested in unleashing your superpower, please check out that episode. Groupman's research also finds that hope can help us even in the midst of illness. Groupman notes that belief and expectation are two key elements of hope, and these release the brain's endorphins, which blocks pain. He goes on to explain that, quote, in some cases, hope can also have important effects on fundamental physiological processes like respiration, circulation, and motor function. He further explains that hope can have an impact on the nervous system such that it makes improvement and recovery more likely. Hope isn't just wishful thinking. It is backed by science to absolutely improve us emotionally, psychologically, and physically. You've heard me say it before on Love and Life. One of my life's mantras is to remain happy, hopeful, and positive. And I want to live this way no matter what circumstances present themselves. So in the spirit of remaining hopeful and finding the silver lining in every circumstance, I've invited Lise Wilcox to the program. You remember Lise from Love and Life episodes 47 and 50. Here's a little bit more about her. Lise Wilcox helps women find clarity in what they want, confidence in who they are, and the courage to stay true to both. A passionate speaker, writer, coach, podcast host, taco enthusiast, and mom of three, her entire experience has been about coming home to her truest self and calling herself beloved. Lise has turned the difficult and ugly, including childhood trauma, death of a sibling, divorce, and breast cancer, into something purposeful and beautiful. 
through writing, speaking, podcasting, private and group mindset coaching. She guides people to come home to themselves, giving them permission to live authentically. Lise, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's so good to hear your voice kind of in person like this from over our headsets. <laughs> exactly. And it is so nice to hear familiar, comforting voices in this time, especially just so the listeners know, Lisa and I had cooked up a fun plan to talk about Love is Blind, <laughs> the Netflix series, <laughs> because she mentioned it on her podcast. And of course, I've been doing some episodes on it because there's a lot of teaching points mm -hmm. to learn from really watching these relationships play out. And then the world as we know it, changed. Mm -hmm. And because I see Lise as a thought leader in terms of taking charge of our mindset in any scenario, and certainly mm -hmm. when a global pandemic sets in, I, Lisa and I talked about, let's maybe switch the topic <laughs> of the conversation <laughs> to something a little bit more relevant for today. And I do want to mention that Lisa's uh, podcast episode, I listened to it last week that you rolled out. And I can't remember the name of it, but something like... Um, how how to handle a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of sums it up, right? <laughs> I should have done like a part one, part two. Every single day should get its own updated version of like, oh, actually, no, this is how you handle it today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you bring that up, actually. And that's a great place from which to launch because... This is the type of thing that we're not going to listen to one podcast or yeah. read one book and then go, okay, cool, I got this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I love that you bring up the idea that as we are in these times that are completely unprecedented, mm. it is absolutely okay to feel like you have no idea what's going on because mm. here's, spoiler alert, no one has any idea as to what's going on. I know. There's so much truth in that. Nobody knows. And I think that, you know, I'm a relentless optimist. I have to believe everybody is doing the best with what they can. But in so many cases, I think we just need to keep doing better. Yeah. <laughs> like we just need to be doing better. And always where that, I mean, I think we're so aligned on this, that whenever you feel like you don't have any control over anything, that's the moment you have to catch yourself even thinking that and press pause and come back to, hang on a second, I, I actually always have control over one thing and one thing alone. And that is how I am choosing to respond to this. And on a massive global scale, uh, like the crisis that we're in right now, um, part of what that response means is how we're engaging with not only the media, the news, with our peers, in person with our peers, what we're saying, the conversations that we're having, uh, really how we're responding en masse to what is happening externally to us. And of course, that is, that's really it. That's mm -hmm. everything. And yet it can be so overwhelming and mm -hmm. people go, but I can't control. My thoughts are racing mm -hmm. and I don't even know how to control my response to this mm -hmm. because it is so unprecedented and because it's foreign to me, it's foreign to everyone. Mm -hmm. So those feelings of feeling overwhelmed 
are so normal and to be expected would be bizarre if you didn't feel them right now. But I love what you're saying is even in that moment, there's an opportunity Mm -hmm. to examine yourself and still feel some control in terms of controlling your response. Mm You know very well that anytime we're talking in the self-improvement, self-education realm, challenge is just a fancy word for opportunity, right? It's like, it's this mask (laughs) of anytime there is a challenge, it is also an incredible opportunity for growth. Well, little fun fact about growth, it sucks. It sucks (laughs) while you're growing. It hurts. If you remember those growing pains in your legs as a kid, I'm very tall and I got a lot of them very, very fast back together or back to back rather. And the growing pains hurt. This hurts. And I'm not diminishing this. Like this hurts everybody and it hurts significant populations far more than it's hurting other people because there are foundational elements of our own safety and security that suddenly feel like are being threatened. Like this is really scary for a lot of people in a lot of ways. So we have to keep trusting that all of this is unfolding to something that will ultimately be better while having the courage and the bravery to face the feelings that we're having and simultaneously be able to um, like self-regulate to the degree to which we can still function. It, like it's such a big ask and it's kind of the only way to do it. It is a big ask. As you're talking, I'm thinking, I don't know that I'm quite that enlightened, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? I think you are personally, but that's, what can I do to support you while we're here and now? Yeah. And that's really what this is about. And uh, Lisa and I have been talking, and I know you've been doing so much to support your followers. Really, mm-hmm. I think when you're in position like we are, where we mm-hmm. have a podcast and we have our experiences, and just so people know your background, Lisa has been through very, very scary stuff. Literally mm-hmm. a year ago this time, you yes. were in the midst of chemotherapy. Yes, I so, had just finished a year yeah. ago. Like that, it, yeah. it, that's so fresh. Yeah. And I want, th- I want people to understand that in case they don't know your background, yeah. they might be like, oh, well, maybe with her little life, this isn't so scary. Yeah. Well, guess what? No, Lisa's faced fear. She has oh, literally. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, so, just while we're going to toot my own here for a second, <laughs> I'm also a single woman and I am self-employed and I have three children, you know, and I, I posted something today on Instagram and I like never get negative feedback. So when I get negative feedback, I take it very seriously. Yeah. And somebody had mentioned, you know, like, well, it's very easy for you to say, just stay home. But, you know, there are people who are being abused in their houses right now and it's not so easy. And I'm like, yeah. I've also experienced that abuse dynamic. Like, guys, I know what I'm talking about yeah, here. Like, yeah. there's been a lot of adversity. It's it's not a cakewalk. It's not Princess City over here. This is lessons learned through a life of living that is informing every single word that I speak. I know. I don't get a whole lot of negative feedback either. I think we both have been very intentional yeah. to try to build community of positive interaction, (laughs) no negative vibes here, (laughs) and which I love about you and your community. And so I'm the same though. If I get Mm -hmm. something, I go, wow, gosh, I, I, it really hurts. (laughs) Just frankly. I'm like, wait, what do I need to support you in this moment? Like, how, how can I help like shift your own mindset? But anyway, yes, I'm doing the best that I can to speak to 
with all of the mindset stuff, again, it comes down to every individual actually can control one thing and that is how they respond. And that is seriously regardless of circumstance. Is it harder for some people? A hundred percent. Is it easier for others? Yes. Yeah. The fact remains though, it is always a choice and it's always Mm -hmm. your choice and nobody else can make that choice for you or take it away from you. And that's how you ultimately create this radical shift in agency in your own life, right? And I would encourage folks, because this is what I have done in the past when I felt that my you know, during love, of course, it was always just my Achilles heel <laughs> and the breakups and the and the depression and the ruminating and the, oh, I want him back. One of the things I would do, and this really is relevant to now, because, you know, these strategies, like you said, yeah. global pandemic, yeah, that's up there as far as the intensity <laughs> of this whole thing. But really, these strategies are for everything and yes. every time, and they really generalize. So anxiety techniques that you may have heard on someone's podcast about dealing with social anxiety mm-hmm. absolutely apply to a global pandemic mm-hmm. scenario such as we are in. And mm-hmm. like I was saying, when I have been in the situation with trying to get my mindset straight, knowing that's where my power lies mm-hmm. and knowing I'm giving up my power when I continue to mm-hmm. stay in that negative space, I would mm-hmm. inundate myself with positive messaging, mm-hmm. even when it felt phony. It didn't feel like what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was turn on the radio to sappy love songs yeah. and cry, yes. <laughs> what, cry in your beers expression. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't let myself. I would force myself. You're going to go listen to Joel Osteen. You know, you're going to listen to one of these thought leaders who is yeah. full of positive content and positive messaging. And that's mm-hmm. what you're providing in the midst of this. And it's really about that taking charge of your mindset. Mm-hmm. Very intentional. Very much putting yourself in front of positivity, hope, mm-hmm. belief. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. And this is so nuanced, right? This is so mm-hmm. nuanced. Um, I think that one of the keys to our emotional awareness and our emotional intelligence is exactly that, is, is being very mindful of what we're feeling and addressing that. So you can actually get to the point of like, oh, this is what depression feels like. This is what anxiety feels like. Oh my goodness, there's loneliness again. That's what it feels like. When you have the courage to name those feelings, it strips away the shame of the of their intensity. Because those negative, like quote unquote feelings are really icky, right? Yeah. They're really heavy. But when we start to shift into appreciating that our feelings are just feedback, like they're just giving us really good, valuable insight on what still needs to be healed and what still needs our attention, suddenly our emotions become incredibly valuable resources to us because now we can look at what we're feeling, use it as a red flag as to what needs our attention, and then we can go deeper with it. And the nuance here is that, yes, you do have to feel it to heal it. And then you have to move the hell on from it. You have to. And we are starting to play those. Well, we all start to play these games, no matter if it's relationship, pandemic. The fact that Ben Affleck has a girlfriend, by the way, like, Ben, seriously, how selfish (laughs) could you be by starting to date publicly in the midst of all of this? But okay. I know. I feel for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a little too much. But the thing is... Our brain, or I guess you could say our mind, wants us to stay trapped in that negative feeling. Our mind and our ego, our subconscious wants it. I always use this like analogy that it feels like a toothache. You know, when you have a, a sore tooth, 
you almost can't stop touching it with your tongue. You're like, oh God, my tooth hurts so bad. And so you press it again with your tongue. You're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Our emotional state is kind of like that when we get into this icky emotional state because our mind kind of wants us to stay there. Our ego kind of wants us to stay trapped in there. So we do, we reach for music that supports that frenzy. We reach for people with whom we know we can engage and like do this trauma bonding and stay in this place of, I feel like crap. You feel like crap. That's something we have in common. Great. Now we're connected, right? It feels good to stay there. And then we wonder why we feel bad all the time because we've started to associate feeling good with feeling bad. And it's like, (laughs) you got to feel your feelings in order to heal them. And then you have to next level it and, and teach yourself to trust the process and teach yourself to go with the flow and teach yourself to be able to look at the very big picture and zoom out on what is actually happening, starting to see the good that this can lead us to. Is it going to be frightening for a while? Well, for a lot of people, it very well could be. And we still need to trust that it's going to work out okay. There's just so much there. Just, I love the reframing of your feelings are giving you feedback that's Mm -hmm. important. And that is, as a psychologist, that is so key for me because I get so frustrated with people saying, I don't want to feel sad. Grandma died Mm -hmm. two weeks ago. Let me pop a pill. I don't want to feel sad. It's like, no, that is, that is normal. And it's, it's human Mm -hmm. to feel. And then to see those negative feelings. Yeah. They're, they're a pain Mm -hmm. unless you get so comfortable with them. Like you said, that it becomes your default mode, Mm -hmm. which is a very scary place to be for Mm -hmm. me personally. And it really is neurological. We've talked about the neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. and how when we continue to think those negative thoughts, we're literally rewiring our brain. So it's easier to be depressed. I do not want physiologically to have my body make it easy for me to be down. But as you say, if I do feel down, let me notice that feeling. What is it trying to tell me? Because then I don't see it as, 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 alien to me, but I see it as part of me trying to be helpful, right? Because really the anxiety, the depression, it's trying to be helpful. Now, like you said, we can get in that default mode. Our minds can then be comfortable there and we want to be in that positive place. Mm -hmm. But it's because our mind's going, you know what? There's a global pandemic, Lise. Mm -hmm. So you need to be a little anxious here. (laughs) And you're going, mind, we're okay. We're okay. And the mind's going, no, Lise, you don't get it. (laughs) So it's a protective factor too. Totally. And, you know, the last time I was, last time we talked on your podcast, we were talking about how to talk to kids about really difficult things. Or in my experience, how I've talked to my kids about very difficult things. And I said that one of my key strategies is to break it down for my kids in very bite-sized, palatable pieces of information that affects their lives directly, like in this moment. And something that I learned from that experience is in breaking it down to those bite-sized pieces that only affect them in the moment, that it started to comfort and self-soothe me because suddenly I was able to have this wildly big picture perspective that forced me to only look at the facts. So, you know, zooming out and forcing yourself to look in at what is actually happening. You know, as a psychologist, you can speak far better to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what that implies for us right now. But basically, we have come from two weeks ago operating in a society that is very much 
very largely centered around our own psychological, spiritual self-fulfillment goals to all of a sudden being like, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm meeting my foundational basic needs for human survival and like my physiological safety. That's a huge shift. So because we're all still animals and we're still operating with very much a genetic code calling a lot of the shots as to to how do we respond, this has been a, a huge trigger for us at a primal level. So being able to engage a more conscious or more rational part of our brain and zooming out and being like, okay, yes, this is what is happening in the economy. This is what is happening in our hospitals. How does that affect me right now? What do I have control over? How can I help somebody who seems like they might have less control than me? And suddenly we're not running through the streets screaming fire, fire, fire. We're actually starting to shift back into a place of agency and responsibility of how we're going to handle this, right? Not letting ourselves getting get caught up in the moment of just being scared. The language that we're using in our conversations is one of those slippery slopes because I, I don't know about you, but like every email, every Instagram message, every corporate newsletter I've ever subscribed to in the past 20 years is opening up their statement with, this is a very difficult, painful time for all of us. We are all having a hard time coping. It's like, okay, hang on a second. If that's the language we're all using, then what we're accidentally doing is reinforcing what a terrible experience this is. And it's like, oh my God, now we got to zoom out of that too and start shifting our language even to start shaping this experience and being like, okay, with compassion, here's how I'm going to speak to my audience, my friends, my family members, whomever. How do I just use compassion instead of language to help soften this whole experience and appreciating that we can only ever go moment by moment and focus on what is happening in the present moment. And language is so powerful Mm -hmm. and it's completely a reflection of our mindset and it informs our mindset. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street or feedback loop therein. And it's tough, Lise, because I think, again, on the social media (laughs) platforms, you have folks who can be very polarizing. And like you said earlier, you say something about, I don't even know what you said, but you said something positive and someone goes, don't forget about the people who are cooped up with an abuser. It's like, I don't know that these are mutually exclusive. I can say this and it doesn't mean that I negate the the concern and that I don't care or have any compassion for people in that situation. So it's kind of rough because a lot of this, people have pushback based on where they are in their their own uh, kind of psychological growth and development. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. Lisa, I want to circle back to the benefits of having some intention and some uh, a protocol, so to speak, for how to 
talk to children Mm -hmm. in this time. I'm imagining people cooped up at home and certainly they're going to have some distractions, play board games. There could be some really lovely family moments happening, which you are posting on Instagram, which are adorable, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You guys dancing in your kitchen. But I I think it's a real concern. And because of your Montessori background, Mm -hmm. you are very well equipped to talk about how do we present information that's terrifying us mm-hmm. <laughs> to our children such that we don't terrify them. And mm-hmm. also, as you mentioned, you alluded to the benefits of when we break this down to this tangible way, yeah. it also helps us process and maintain composure in the yes. midst of all this. Well, and you know, okay, I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way because that's my style and that's how I function <laughs> I like best. Um, one of the key disruptors, let's say, has been an absence a very clear messaging. You know, we're in different countries on the same continent and we, we've we had the benefit, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but we've been looking at other countries who've, who've been hit first and we're watching with some degree of predictability what it's going to be like for our own, uh, for our own countries, right? And even so, the messaging that we're getting has been so mixed. And so, you know, if we can pull some messaging out of that for ourselves as to how to talk to our kids. It's be very clear and very direct in a very grounded, almost emotionless way, right? The real issue that we are facing is that, I don't know about you, but we just haven't really gotten this message. We got two very, very different messages. Like one, don't panic. Two, panic like and do both at the same time like don't worry it's totally fine um but make sure that you are aware that nothing is fine and everything is it's like oh my gosh i don't know who to believe the messaging <laughs> is that we are operating with a healthcare system that is super maxed out our system is stretched thin for resources for people for materials like it's just it's so maxed our healthcare can't our healthcare system cannot handle another 100, 1,000, 10,000 people coming into it because it will collapse. This is the real problem. So while this is an illness that, you know, most people might not get, or if you do get it, it probably won't affect you in any negative way. The people that it does affect, it hits them very hard and the healthcare system can't support them in the way it's been designed to support them. So that's the real messaging here. And that's the messaging for our kids in a much more kid appropriate way to say, listen, there is this virus going around. It is very similar to the flu and it's very, very contagious. And because we want to help protect everybody around us in our community, in our country, in the entire world's population, what we can do is just hold off. Like we're not going to school. We're going to be at home instead. When we go to play, we have to be very careful that we're not going to play with other kids or, you know, we got to be very careful about staying in our backyard or that we're just going out for a walk, what have you. It's fair to say to your kids, this is new. And this is, this feels scary to all of us. So if you're feeling scared, let's talk about it. If there's something on your mind, let's talk about it using those moments, yes, to spend that time with our kids and also being very conscious that for a lot of us, we are now trying to do our full-time job and full-time parent our kids at the same time from our living rooms. And that is hard. I have 10 years of education under my belt and that's hard. 
And so it's like, there, there are so many layers to this by being very specific, being very intentional about how we're parceling out information to our children and also being very aware. Like I'm posting dance parties in the kitchen with my kids, but what I'm not posting is like, you know, the 28 minutes it took to get to that moment of squabbling between siblings and parents and me being like, Oh my gosh, like I just need 30 minutes of quiet so I can do this. You know, like there are so many layers to this that this is the time to have even more compassion for ourselves than, than we've ever had before. We're all just figuring this out. And I think that when we're really real with our kids and our families about that, that I'm going to make mistakes. I might be, I might have a shorter temper. I might say something that, you know, comes out the wrong way. Being very honest about that and very connected, very communicative, I think is again, like the only option we have here. Yeah. And I love just that you mentioned it's so important that, you know, kids can't handle a lot of this. I mean, we can't handle a lot of this cognitively. So bite-sized chunks of information, like you Mm -hmm. said, work on your own emotionality so Mm -hmm. that they're not catching a vibe of, wait, mom's saying this very matter of fact, but she's freaking out. I can tell. And I think it is very responsible to recognize that their little minds can't handle what we can. So let's give them enough information so they don't feel that, wait, something big is going on and I'm not being told about it, but also recognize that they emotionally can only handle so much. Mm -hmm. So I love that you talked about that and breaking it down because kids are in their cognitive development. They're in the concrete for for roughly the elementary school years. They're in concrete stage. So it's very black and white for them. Mm -hmm. So if it's presented as it's a big deal, Mm -hmm. but the professionals are on it, the doctors are on it, the scientists are on it, Mm -hmm. that's something they can step into and then go dance in the kitchen. Exactly. (laughs) And be flipped up and down over, over my shoulder to Katy Perry. Impressive <laughs> move, I got to say. <laughs> well, my eldest daughter loves dance and obviously isn't going to dance class right now. And so we've been figuring out other ways we can do it. Um, and, you know, I am somebody who who really loves my solitude and loves to go for a daily walk. And I'm not necessarily getting solitude and daily walk <laughs> partnered together with three children. So it's also a great way for me to get a little bit of movement into my day. Um, I was going to say too, you know, we're talking about how to package this information to our kids from my own personal experience, almost every client call that I've had from my coaching clients in the past week has been this formula. I call my clients to check in with them to see how they're doing. They are managing just fine. They're going through every pivot they have to take both with their families, you know, their kids, their parents their businesses. A lot of my clients are entrepreneurs. So they're like really shifting their business mandate to see how they can serve their communities better too. And the quote unquote, only thing that's really wrong right now is their husband's reaction Mm. and how their husband is having such a hard time coping with this emotionally, his anxieties at peak. Maybe he's lost his job. Maybe he's never had to stay at home to work from home before and how their husbands are not coping. So suddenly this to me was like this major red flag of, oh my goodness, this is now a conversation too about masculine and feminine energy and how we have to use both of those to really get a clear sense of how to handle this for our families. You know, appreciating that there's a huge part of the masculine energy that again is hardwired to be a provider. And whose sole purpose is at a genetic DNA level to go out and hunt and provide for your family. So if that has overnight been taken away, 
but those societal messages that have reinforced that story over and over again are still there. I think men are really struggling with this and they don't necessarily have the emotional education to cope with this in a really cogent way. And so they're bringing that anxiety to their families. And then you've got, you know, the, the female or the, the more feminine partner being like, Oh my gosh, hang on a second. Like, Oh, I didn't see this coming now. How do I have to carry this emotional labor for my teammate and my family? Right? So I was asked to partner with a therapist and then another gentleman who does a platform on fatherhood. Okay. And we're launching every Sunday night at seven central, we're going to do a conversation of Facebook Live inside the minds of men. Awesome. And we spoke to anger last night, Lise, and it's exactly what you're talking about because for many men, based on, again, the societal messaging that they've internalized, they feel very comfortable with one emotion, yes. anger. Yes. So fear becomes anger. Mm-hmm. Depression becomes anger. Anxiety becomes anger. And the anger is going to be out of control for many men because Mm -hmm. as you spoke to so eloquently, this is terrifying for a man who goes, my job is to provide. And now my job was secure because I hustle and I'm disciplined and I go after it. And now a pandemic is going to make my job at risk or maybe I already lost my job. How do I provide? How do I maintain? How will my wife have respect for me? How will my partner have respect for me if I can't do what I'm supposed to do? So the anger is going to be real. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And, you know, I think that, and you and I have been a part of this, I know, but we've, we've been so proactive in moving the conversation forward about emotional health, about emotional awareness, about support, about vulnerability, about shame. And largely that has still been focused on women. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, like that record scratching sound, right? It's like, we've, we've (laughs) totally left behind half the population who naturally in most cases has no idea how to come to the table with their emotions in a healthy way. Not only is that genetic in many, many, I would argue most cases, the societal programming has been to repress, repress, repress. So Mm -hmm. yeah, this is like perfect storm material for like, here's the challenge. Here's the opportunity. Okay. How can we share this wisdom, not only with the women in our lives, but with the men in our lives in a really healthy, non-threatening, very supportive, very well-intentioned way? Absolutely. I've kind of feel in a way, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I feel bad in a way because Mm -hmm. women have been, and I think it's biological as well, as you pointed out, we have permission to feel our feels (laughs) and men just don't. So it's almost as if it's not even their fault. They're (laughs) less equipped to Mm -hmm. manage when these overwhelming feelings come to light and so many at once, right? Because it's not just, we have fear about our physical health. We have fear about our financial health. We have fear about the emotional health because when those two aren't in place, I mean, the emotions are going to be running wild. So it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. for even people who have spent a lot of time in self-reflection, introspection, done a lot of work, read a lot of books. And then you've got some average Joe who's like, I'm just out here loving my family, doing right by them. And now the rug has been completely pulled out from under me. One of the beautiful illustrations that I love to paint like a really visual picture on what this feels like is so often, you know, you said that it all just presents itself as anger, right? Even though it's actually several emotions embedded in one, the large part is fear, uh, it, it manifests as anger. And what was so valuable to me in my own 
like emotional education was the realization that, you know, let's say you go and you look at a painting and you see the color green, you only experience that as green. You know, when you start to break it down, the green is actually the combination of yellow and blue, but never do you look at a painting and think to yourself consciously, oh, hey, I love the use of yellow and blue in this painting. Mm-hmm. So when we start to translate that into our feelings, into our emotions, when we only experience anger, we start to treat anger, right? Well, we go outside, we blow out some steam, maybe we go and work out, we like, I don't know, journal it out, we do, we do what we can to like, quote unquote, treat anger. But we're left with this like this overwhelming feeling of not feeling good. And it's because we've treated the green in this case when actually what we're experiencing is the blue and yellow. We're experiencing fear. We're experiencing um, inadequacy or the feeling of inadequacy. We're not feeling angry. It's just this combination of them both coming together that looks like anger. So in that way, if somebody is listening to this and is like nodding along being like, yes, thank you. How am I going to save my marriage on top of all of this while this is all going down? Um, You know, you got to turn up the love and you got to turn up the compassion and really start to even more strip your ego out of it and be like, I'm here for you. What's on your mind? Like, how do we how can I support you in this? Sometimes men have this inclination to take it to the cave. Like usually men retreat, right? They go into the cave, they grind it out, they like grunt it out, whatever they do solo. And then they come back with a solution. Women conversely tend to come to the fire gather, nourish the people, talk it out, work it through, bring it all to the table, like this big wisdom empathy exchange. That is a dynamic that does not really support each other when you're under quarantine and you can't leave the house and you have two people who communicate so differently. So learning how to show up with even more compassion as the feeling person in your relationship to be like, listen, I understand you need time to process this and I need you to understand that I need time to talk about this. So how much time do you need and when can I feel good about you coming back into the room so that we can talk about this? You know, then he feels good because he gets the solitude he needs to do that internal processing, which is how he figures it out. And she feels good because she's got the kind of timeline on it that she knows her needs are going to be met in due time. It's just a matter of of timing. And this isn't just like male, female, this is the the balance of energies that each of us possess. But that's a great mindset trick to open up that level of communication to complement both energies and allow the space to work through this together, not in opposition to one another. I think that's a beautiful an umbrella approach, basically. Mm-hmm. It's real all-encompassing really because it's going to be the same with anyone in your life, but certainly when you're talking about these different energies as you spoke to, Mm -hmm. to really honor and respect where each other is coming from Mm -hmm. and honor and respect that it is a different way of responding. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, my husband and I joke because way back when we were dating, something, I can't remember what it was, very stylistic, not even a big deal at all. And he said something kind of like, well, this is how I do it. And I was like, well, you're not dating yourself. (laughs) 
<laughs> like we, right? I mean, there's definitely so much, and I talk about this a lot on my show. But there's so much to to strong relationships. Certainly, have core values that are aligned that just makes relating easier, and certainly romantic relationships easier. But we also are drawn, as you said, to the masculine, feminine energy, and we need to honor and respect that there are different ways of processing that we can actually connect over. Though, as you're saying giving each other permission to have that honest response, but also saying, hey, we are in relationship. We've chosen to be together. And of course, in the case of we've got a family and it's important that we stay strong as a couple in the midst of our own individual experience in this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you're single, you've likely heard it all. You've been told you're too picky. You should just get on another dating app or that you're not trying hard enough. And you're probably really tired of hearing those messages because I know I was when I was single for all those years, which is why I felt the need to bring another perspective to the dating relationship self-help genre. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right, is my take on what the single life can be if we refuse to settle, we know that we're worth an extraordinary relationship, and we refuse to fall prey to single shaming. Trust me, it is a different self-help book. Check it out on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website, www.drkarin.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. Well, Lise, anything else for us as we try to navigate these very dicey and unprecedented waters? Overarchingly, I really believe that hope, hope is essential. Optimism Mm. is essential. I believe adamantly that love does always win. So even if it feels unsteady or unshaky or unknown, I think being able to, you know, zoom out, see things for what they are and really just trust this is moving in the right direction. Certainly that is what helps me in my own life. I know that helps my kids. I know that helps my clients. So if I can offer that, it's, it's to keep on keeping on and really just trust that this is going in the right direction even if it feels like it's off course right now, keep trusting that it's going in the right direction and keep showing up the best you can with what you have as yourself and being of as much service as you can to support others as they're going through this as well. And I know you posted this and I think it's from Mr. Rogers, Mm -hmm. the idea of look for the helpers. Yes. I love that. Me too. Again, the media does not support us to look for hope and help. It really no. doesn't. It, it trains us to look for fear and people ripping toilet paper out of each other's hands at Target. Like it supports us in, in tearing each other down. I don't think that's an accurate reflection of what's happening right now. You know, I can tell you from my online communities, I can tell you in my own community where I live, my network, what is happening is that people are dialing up their service. People are dialing up the it's not about me. It's about us. What can I do to support you in this? What can I do to help you? And I think that is more prevalent. And as we continue, you know, we talk about this all the time, you and I, that it's confirmation bias. When you look for more of what you believe to be true, more of it becomes true. So if you teach yourself to look for the good and to look for the love and to look for the helpers, you will start to see more of it. So like 
demand that you start to see more of it. If that means you put up a, a news diet that you don't watch the news anymore, or you only watch it 20 minutes a day, once a day, like do that, but teach yourself to look for the good and more and more of the good. And, and that will continue to find you and you'll be able to use that so that you can help more people in the end. And it, it, it really is that simple. It really is that complicated that when you look for the helpers, the helpers show up and then you get to be one of those helpers too, right? I love it. And the mindset discipline that that requires <laughs> is that's going to pay off in spades later when this is done. And I, I say done in quotes because I don't know what our next chapter as a civilization and as a global community will look like. It will probably be different than what we knew before. Mm -hmm. But when we are in that next chapter, those mindset strategies that we are practicing now, because really we have no choice. It's either that or utter despair. We are at that level. These strategies are going to benefit us in ways we can't even fathom mm -hmm. in the future. So think of that too, as we are trying to get that discipline, know that this is not for naught. And it's not that we're just having to, oh, I got to do all this stuff now. No, no, no. This is part of our own. Mm -hmm. It's like the Phoenix coming from the ashes, yes. right? We are, we are being molded and shaped in ways that, as you spoke to earlier in the episode, growth is painful, Yes, but it is always, no one has ever looked back on their life and gone, Wow, that growth I did that. Yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> I know, exactly. Man, I wish I could go back to how it was before when I was trapped in a life I hated. Like nobody says that, right? Well, and you know, who's to say that what we had before is the right way? You know, when we look at the structures and the systems that we have in place, they're good for 1% of the population of like the mm. world's population. That's it. They don't work for, for most other people. Because that's what we've only ever known in our society, we think that's always the way. But if you, again, zoom out really big and start to see the evolution of humans over the course of our life, this is a blip. Like the yeah. systems that we have known, they've been a blip in the timeline of our, of our overall civilization. So who's to say this isn't like just a big cleansing of a system that doesn't work to replace it with a system that does, you know, unknown is scary. What we don't know is scary, but how do we know that we're, what we're moving towards is just not so much better for so many more people, even though it's taking this uncomfortable process to get there. I love that. I love that perspective. And it's, I'm, I'm with you, Lise. I, I'm just an internal optimist and I don't choose the path of despair because I have in the past and I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, like you, I'm going to continue to put myself in front of the positive messages, the silver linings in the midst of all of this. Mm -hmm. And you are absolutely one of those lights in my life. So <laughs> thank you for all you do and let everyone know where to get more of Lise if they are, want a little bit more inspiration. <laughs> So many places to get more lease in your life. One is in my <laughs> kitchen dancing around. Um, I have my podcast. It's To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I am cranking out content on it right now. Same thing with my YouTube channel, which is also Lise Wilcox. Instagram, Lise Wilcox, and my website, which is leasewilcox.ca. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. The love and life hack for this week is hope is powerful and together we can hold on to each other 
metaphorically speaking, and hold on to hope. Thank you so very much, as always, for listening. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.